section five of culinary herbs their cultivation harvesting curing and uses this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b culinary herbs their cultivation harvesting curing and uses by maurice grenville canes culinary herbs defined drying and storage herbs as garnishes drying and storing when only a small quantity of an herb is to be dried the old plan of hanging loose bunches from the ceiling of a warm dry attic or a kitchen will answer better perhaps is the use of trays covered with clean stout manila paper upon which thin layers of the leaves are spread these are placed either in hot sunlight or in the warm kitchen where warm air circulates freely they must be turned once a day until all the moisture has been evaporated from the leaves and the softer more delicate parts have become crisp then they may be crunched and crumbled between the hands the stalks and the hard parts rejected and the powder placed in airtight glass or earthenware jars or metal cans and stored in a cool place if there be the slightest trace of moisture in the powder it should be still further dried to ensure against mold prior to any drying process the cut leaves and stems should be thoroughly washed to get rid of any trace of dirt before being dried as noted above the water should all be allowed to evaporate evaporation may be hastened by exposing the herbs to a breeze in a shallow loose basket a wire tray or upon a table while damp there is little danger of their being blown away as they dry however the current of air should be more gentle the practice of storing powdered herbs in paper or pasteboard packages is bad since the delicate oils readily diffuse through the paper and sooner or later the material becomes as valueless for flavoring purposes as ordinary hay or straw this loss of flavor is particularly noticeable with sage which is one of the easiest herbs to spoil by bad management even when kept in airtight glass or tin receptacles as recommended it generally becomes useless before the end of two years when large quantities of herbs are to be cured a fruit evaporator may be employed the herbs being spread thinly upon wire bottom trays so that an ample current of air may pass through them care must be taken to keep the temperature inside the machine below one hundred twenty degrees the greatest efficiency can be secured by placing the trays of most recently gathered herbs at the top the partially dried ones being lowered to positions nearer the source of heat in this way the fresh dry warm air comes in contact first with the herbs most nearly dried removes the last vestige of moisture from them and after passing through the intervening trays comes to those most recently gathered unless the evaporator be fitted with some mechanism which will permit all the trays to be lowered simultaneously the work of changing the trays may seem too irksome to be warranted but where no changes of trays are made greater care must be given to the bottom trays because they will dry out faster than those at the top indeed in such cases after the apparatus is full it becomes almost essential to move the trays lower because if fresh green herbs particularly those which are somewhat wet be placed at the bottom of the series 
the air will become so charged with moisture from them that the upper layers may for a time actually absorb this moisture and thus take longer to dry besides this they will surely lose some of their flavoring ingredients the very things which it is desired to save no effort should be made to hasten the drying process by increasing the temperature since this is likely to result as just mentioned a personal experience may teach the reader a lesson i once had a large amount of parsley to cure and thought to expedite matters by using the oven of a gas stove suffice it to tell that the whole quantity was ruined not a pinch was saved in spite of the closest regulation the heat grew too great and the flavor was literally cooked out of the leaves the delicate oil saturated everything in the house and for a week or more the whole place smelled as if chicken fricassee was being made upon a wholesale plan except as garnishes herbs are probably more frequently used in a dry state than in all other ways put together perhaps this is because the method of preparing them seems simpler than that of infusion because large quantities may be kept in small spaces and because they can be used for every purpose that the fresh plants or the decoctions can be employed in general however they are called into requisition principally in dressings soups stews and sauces in which their particles are not considered objectionable if clear sauces or soups are desired the dried herbs may still be used to impart the flavor their particles being removed by straining the method of preparing dill anise caraway and other herbs whose seed is used differs from that employed with the foliage herbs mainly in the ripeness of the plants these must be gathered as soon as they show signs of maturity but before the seeds are ready to drop from them in all this work especial care must be paid to the details of cleaning for a pleasing appearance the seed heads must be gathered before they become the least bit weather-beaten this is as essential as to have the seed ripe next the seed must be perfectly clean free from chaff bits of broken stems and other debris much depends upon the manner of handling as well as upon harvesting care must be taken in threshing to avoid bruising the seeds particularly the oily ones by pounding too hard or by tramping upon them threshing should never be done in damp weather always when the air is very dry in clear weather after the dew has disappeared the approximately ripe plants or seed heads must be harvested and spread thinly never packed firmly upon stout cloth such as ticking sailcloth or factory cotton a warm open shed where the air circulates freely is an admirable place since the natural temperature of the air is sufficient in the case of seeds to bring about good results usually in less than a week the tops will have become dry enough to be beaten out with a light flail or a rod in this operation great care must be taken to avoid bruising or otherwise injuring the seed the beating should therefore be done in a sheet spread upon a lawn or at least upon short grass the force of the blows will thus be lessened and bruising avoided for cleaning herb seeds sieves in all sizes from number two to number forty are needed the sizes represent various finenesses of mesh all above number eight should be of brass wire because brass is considerably more durable and less likely to rust than iron the cloths upon which the herbs are spread should be as large as the floor upon which the threshing is to be done 
except when the floor is without cracks but it is more convenient to use cloths always because they facilitate handling and temporary storing light cotton duck is perhaps best but the weave must be close a convenient size is ten by ten feet after the stalks have been removed the seed should be allowed to remain for several days longer in a very thin layer the thinner the better and turned every day to remove the last vestige of moisture it will be even better still to have the drying sheet suspended so air may circulate below as well as above the seed not less than a week for the smallest seeds and double that time for the larger ones is necessary to avoid loss or injury it is imperative that the seed be dry before it is put in the storage packages of course if infusions are to be made all this is unnecessary the seed may be put in the liquor as soon as the broken stems etc are removed subsequent to threshing herbs as garnishes as garnishes several of the culinary herbs are especially valuable this is particularly true of parsley which is probably more widely used than any other plant its only close rivals being watercress and lettuce which however are generally inferior to it in delicacy of tint and form of foliage the two cardinal virtues of a garnish parsley varieties belong to three principal groups based upon the form of the foliage one plain varieties in which the leaves are nearly as they are in nature two moss curled varieties in which they are curiously and pleasingly contorted and three fern leaved in which the foliage is not curled but much divided into thread-like parts the moss curled varieties are far more popular than the other two groups put together and are the only ones used especially as garnishes with meat dishes in the hotels and restaurants of the large cities the plain leaved sorts cannot be compared in any way except in flavor with the varieties of the other groups but the fern leaved kinds which unfortunately have not become commercially well known surpass even the finest varieties of the moss curled group not only in their exquisite and delicate form but in their remarkably rich dark green coloring and blendings of light and shade but the mere fact that these varieties are not known in the cities should not preclude their popularity in suburban and town gardens and in the country where every householder is monarch of his own soil and can satisfy very many aesthetic and gustatory desires without reference to market dictum that bane alike of the market gardener and his customer several other herbs tansy savory thyme marjoram basil and balm make pretty garnishes but since they are not usually considered so pleasant to nibble at they are rarely used the pleasing effect of any garnish may be heightened by adding here and there a few herb flowers such as thyme or savory other flowers may be used in the same way for instance nasturtium there is no reason why herbs so used should not be employed several times over and afterwards dried or bottled in vinegar if they be free from gravy oils fats etc and if in sufficient quantity to make such a use worth while other pretty garnishes which are easily obtained are corn salad peppergrass mustard fennel and young leaves of carrot but surpassing all these in pleasing and novel effects are the curled pink red and white leaved varieties of chicory and nasturtium flowers alone or resting upon parsley or other delicate foliage 
so much by way of digression end of section five